Before the episode starts, I just want to apologize for not being able to upload last week. If you don't follow us on Instagram, I'm sure you are a little confused, so don't worry. Town meeting's still here. Enjoy today's episode, and we will be back August 4th with the next one. But first, a haunted leg. Hey, this is Sandra. This is Jess. And this is Emily. And you are listening to Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls rewatch podcast. Okay, and this week, episode two, season three, A Haunted Leg. Who has a summary today? Oh, that's me. That is me. And <laughs> we'll see. Are you prepared? Yes, but like, also, if I fail, I'm not going to be surprised. It's one of those instances. A lot of things <laughs> happened. A lot of disjointed things. Kirk, whatever. Okay, I'll, I'll yeah. let me know. <laughs> Kirk's a thing. There's a lot of plots in this episode, mm-hmm. but I feel like the main action is pretty concise. So we'll see. I believe in you, Sandra. All right. Count me down. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Everyone's fighting this week. Lorelai and Emily are still tense over Chris. Rory hates that Jess is making out with someone else. Student council drama ensues, and Francie threatens Rory in a bathroom. In Stars Hollow, Kirk asks Lorelai out, but gets rejected. Meanwhile, Emily in- innocently invites Lorelai to lunch at Luke's before admitting she's talking to Christopher, causing, oh, another fight. A Friday night dinner made Sarah sex. Chris appears, and Lorelai, Rory, and Emily tell him off. Later, Rory runs into Jess, yells at him for dating Shane, and he points out, oh, hey, you're still with Dean. Done. Nice. That was, like, perfect. perfect. Okay, Literally cool. right on the dot. Yes. Uh, hallelujah. <laughs> I think you covered everything. Yeah, I was like, you know, when I was um, trying to get it together, I forgot about Kirk and Lorelai. And then I was like, I have to mention (laughs) Kirk and Lorelai. The best couple that could have been. Right? Yes. It never was. But never was. I have to say, I'm kind of surprised because like a lot of season one, a lot of season two, we make a scene list to try and help us like stay on track. Um, And we tend to have like right around 20 scenes per episode. Mm-hmm. So far, we've had 13 scenes for season- episode one and 14 scenes for season two. So we're getting longer scenes, like, in the same setting, in the same area. Does mm-hmm. not mean there's less happening, because there's not. It's really funny you say that, because I thought there's shorter scenes. Like, I really? felt like we were everywhere in this episode. We went from set to set to set. Like, I, I felt mean, like the it's... Chilton was so... It's very disjointed. Yeah. But, like, when I was going through the episode specifically looking for outfits, there are definitely, usually I have two full pages of outfits that I write down. And I had maybe three quarters of a page of outfits. Yeah. So, I guess it was, yeah, like two right? Well, no, it has to be a week because we start out at Friday night dinner. Oh, fair. And then we essentially end end on a Friday night dinner. Well, speaking of which, why don't we start the episode? And discuss this Friday night dinner. Guys, this is very tense <laughs> in the Gilmore household right now. I don't know what Lorelai has to be mad about. Emily's the one who got jilted at the altar, apparently. Yeah, this is... I... I... Rory often ends up being this kind of like middleman in between mm-hmm. the grandparents and her mom. And 
it's so awkward when it's in a, a situation like this where they're all present and everybody's fighting and Rory's trying to make nice. Like She's still just a kid. This shouldn't be her role. Do you think it would have been better or worse if Richard was there? I mean, Richard was awful. So potentially worse? Yes. But he also, loves Rory. True. I want to talk about Richard because Richard is no longer working for the company, but he's now working for himself, but he still has to travel. Like, it's obvious that they can't get, you know, the actor all the time, mm-hmm. right? He's still a guest star. <laughs> yeah, they're coming up with reasons. So now he's traveling. Did they mention what he was traveling to? Or just that he was traveling? I think just that he's traveling. Yeah. yeah. I Maybe he's in Ohio assume... again. I hope not. I assume he's traveling to, like, get more customers, make connections. Uh, more clients, yeah. That, yeah. That's maybe, fair. Maybe there's an insurance convention happening somewhere. <laughs> How boring would an insurance convention be? Guys, I've 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 been to medical billing oh. and insurance conventions and... They're real things. They suck. Cool. Is there any good swag? That's, like, the only good thing about conventions. Like, that I kind of convention. I did get a really nice glass one year. Okay. And hey. that's it's where I discovered um Voss water. It's V O S S. Yeah, it's very fancy. And it they all came in fancy glass bottles. More than anything, they just had a decent spread of food, so <laughs> that was really all I wanted. Well guys, thank goodness for newspapers. Yes. Am I right? Well, they try <sighs> to talk. Lorelai mentions there's a mouse at the end, which will come up later. Okay. But it's like really the D plot. What makes yeah. Rory feel like, hey, there's a mouse at the inn is a good Transition, topic yeah. for, for Emily. Emily? Yeah, that was bizarre. Especially thinking about how Emily reacted to the potting shed. Right. Like, we've been through this, Rory. We know she doesn't find the inn charming the way that we do. Hmm. <sighs> well, yeah, Lorelai picks up a, a newspaper that's just out for the plot, really. And um, apparently Shauna Christie shot her husband 35 times. And apparently they put a picture of the body in the newspaper. Which they would never do. Presumably she's an old classmate. Yeah. And apparently she was done with her husband. (laughs) And Emily really liked Shauna Christie. She thought she was a a great girl. But apparently she had a husband. That was such a low blow. Oh my god. That's how the scene ends. At least she had a husband to kill. Like, Yikes. I almost want to give Emily an award for just some f- amazing digs. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just, your level of pettiness is impressive. It's unreal sometimes. Well, the scene ends, we go to the theme song, we cut back to Luke. And it's actually pretty packed. Like, yeah. And Jess seems to be working for the first, like, five seconds of the scene. That mm-hmm. quickly ends. And Lorelai has managed to catch a cold in whatever period of time between the last time we saw her and now is. A day? A couple days? I'm assuming this is Saturday? Because Rory's not going to school, right? She's in full... Yeah, I assume that she's... school uniform. She's home. So yeah, Yeah. Lorelai has caught a cold overnight. Oh, you know what? Luke says five days. She's been coming for the past five days. For uh, Okay, so I guess she's had a cold. Saturday. It's so funny living in like a post-pandemic world and being like, she's sick and she's at the diner. She's sick and she went to her older mother's 
home. Like I know the world used to be so different. I don't know if you guys noticed, but Rory the entire time, this entire scene, she's looking at Jess every so often. Oh yeah, of course. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She can't help but sneak a peek, and Jess is right out in front. Mm-hmm. I will say I am a little disgusted that girlfriend comes in and they immediately start making out like over the food counter. Yeah. She kind of climbs like, over. I don't care what restaurant you go into, like nobody's going to be okay with the staff making out in front of customers. No. And I think That's about just how me being old, maybe. grumpy Luke gets about people behind the counter. People getting on the counter to make out. If Luke saw that, I think he would be livid. Yeah. Or this is just us being old. <laughs> they are teenagers. Teenagers make out. It's fine. Probably not over food. Let's yeah. not do that. Th- thankfully, I don't think there was any food on the counter. <laughs> That's no. fair. Um, Rory looks horrified, devastated, and shocked. Like, she already seen them making out before, but I guess just right in front of her face, it's a blow. Yeah. Like, I'd almost say Jess is doing it on purpose, but obviously oh, he's yeah. not the one instigating everything. Shane mm-hmm. is always the one that just walks in and dives right in. So, Which, I mean, to be fair, why he was my wouldn't you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I get it. I'm still on Team Shane here. But they have this very brief, like, back and forth where Shane wants him to leave. He's reading his book. He's leaving. And the Gilmore girls both make, like, snide quips about how brief their conversation is. And Dean arrives. And says a full sentence. And they're like, wow, a full sentence. And I'm just like, it's Dean. Prince Charming over here. It's Dean. <laughs> uh, one thing we have to mention is that environmental Luke jumps out a little bit. Or I guess health conscious Luke. Yes, makes crunchy his appearance. Luke is kind of yeah. there. Eat a vegetable once in a while. Yeah, we haven't seen him in a while. It was nice. No. <laughs> little throwback. Also, <laughs> we only see Dean for like... 10 this? seconds in this episode. Yeah, that's it. This is the they only scene, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. They just brought him in to be like, hey, don't forget, she's still I'm a Dean. I'm still here. Because <laughs> we're even in Dosis at the end, and no Dean nope, and Dosis. No Dean. Thank goodness. Can you imagine Dean overhearing oh. that conversation? We'll get there. Say, so I've I've thoughts, but yeah, we'll get there. Rory and Jess <laughs> give each other a look as they're leaving, as he's leaving. And it's so heated. It's so, like, there's so much tension here. Yeah. Like, it's, it's gonna come to the surface eventually. So, we'll get Starts there. Starts to at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and we go back to the inn, and guess what, guys? The mouse saga continues. Yes. Yeah. But it does give us another glimpse of what I think this episode is continuing to prove of the Michelle Lorelai relationship retcon that is happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they are definitely. You know, she's still his boss, but there's more of a friendly back and forth this season. I agree. Also, yeah. did you notice that Yannick didn't use his accent? Like, it was <gasps> okay. very... He was talking, and I was like, there's something off about his voice, yeah. and I couldn't place it. So thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly less French today. Yeah. I was also impressed that Michelle would be on the ground looking inside of the the... Chimney. That was, like that's what pretty... I mainly notice is like it it feels like Michelle is being a good employee today. Yes. But he also happens to be in a prime location for this episode's little burst of comedy, which is Kirk arrives with photos for um Suki's wedding. Okay, real quick. 
is Kirk okay when this comes up right um he says I have the photos for Suki and Jackson's wedding do you think he's a delivery guy handing in those photos or do you think he was the photographer well we know he is a mailman so he could he be is. doing it and on he would have but he's not in uniform as mailman fair no but he would have photo- uh, photographed Max and Lorelai's wedding True. if there was a wedding well we saw him was he singing at the piano during the wedding? Yes. Which doesn't feel very photographer-y. However, it is Kirk, so I don't know if you would have any idea what to expect if he photographed your wedding. Yeah. I think it could go either know. way. So I'm going to mark it down as he did have a job this episode, but we don't mm. know if it's a delivery man what or photographer. <laughs> yeah, he's a photo delivery man today, specifically. Yes, perfect. That's all the knowledge we have. Um, but that's not all that happens in that scene. Kirk has a question, and it's fantastic. It's so sweet. It is. Like, I think we've talked a little bit about the character of Kirk and kind of the weirdness around him. Like, yes, he is comic relief. Yes, he is weird. But, like, there's also a sweetness to Kirk. And Mm -hmm. this is a good episode to show that sweetness. We do get a Kirk biting joke. Which, of course, we do. Yeah, right, but no, he wants he wants to know if Lorelai will have dinner with him in two weeks. In two weeks, because she has a cold right now. So honestly, health conscious. Into yeah, it. we we stand a health conscious king. <laughs> <laughs> and I I can't decide if like his final parting line is super sweet or kind of gross. It's a little. Bit I of think both. you might be the prettiest woman I've ever seen, outside of a filthy magazine. I think in Thanks. his head that was really sweet. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. For Kirk, that was like that was a declaration to Lorelai. It's pretty silly, and to it's kind of gross. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. To Michelle, who was standing next to the fireplace guarding the mouse, and got to hear the whole thing. It was one of the best things that happened to him <laughs> all week. I'm sure. <laughs> he said, "Ben dropped dead." Who's Ben? Was that the mouse? Did he name the mouse then? I hope he did. That was kind of the vibe that I got. (laughs) But it's not made clear. I wish he would have named the mouse something out of, like, Cinderella. Like, Gus Gus. Oh. Well, he already named it Mickey, to be fair. Yes, true. (laughs) Okay, Kirk. Here's my take on Kirk. He's had a lot of jerk moments, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. this could have been a jerk moment episode, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's just... It's very sincere. Hey, will you go out with me? You don't have to tell me right now. Tell me later. And then, should we just talk about the response? Because it's just a quick little scene later on. Or sure. should we um, wait? No, we can do it now. Okay. Because there's a lot more going on in that scene that we'll want to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, he... Later on, when he gets when he gets rejected, he takes it okay. He's like, yeah, okay, like, that's how every guy should handle rejection. Right. Yes. Like, oh, well, at least I tried. Now I know. Exactly. And that's the end of it. And and they clearly are still friends after this, too. Yes. Yeah. I like Kirk in this episode. I know he doesn't get what he wants, which mm-hmm. is Lorelai, but <laughs> I do like him. It's, it's like cute a sweet, and it's sweet. It's a sweet preview of, like, when we get to the Lulu stuff, mm-hmm. and we see how genuinely Kirk can, like, want something and try really hard, and it's it's sweet. Yeah. 
A for effort. <laughs> Unfortunately, Lorelai is just... Honestly, she's in a different headspace right now anyways. Yeah. Yes. And Kirk's true love is still out there. Exactly. In the yes, form of Lulu. Is. Yeah. As funny as it would be for, like, Lorelai and Kirk to go on a date, a la Lorelai and Rune. Yeah. Like... It would just be, it would have been pointless. It would have ruined ruined a character. Yeah, and it would have been cruel. So I'm glad that it went the way that it went. Yes. Um, Guys, we move on to what could possibly be one of the creepiest scenes. Rory waking up. (laughs) And her mom is just in the corner watching her. Fully dressed, ready to go. I mean, but how many times have we already seen this scene? Yeah, but like, the other time Lorelei... she was sick or like a broken wrist. This time it's just hour, hour and a half. The first day of school. Yeah. Who doesn't this... wake up getting stared at this much? I think this is probably a pretty normal Lorelai thing, though. Like this That's does true. not phase me in terms of Lorelai's like obsession with her kid. <laughs> is it Lorelai Gilmore or Edward Cohen? Who knows? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hey, that was a Twilight <laughs> reference that Jess did not make, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> that was Sandra. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about Lorelai having a bill for Rory. She has, like, a list of things. It's played off as a joke, but I just want to mention, toxic parents, narcissistic parents do do this, mm-hmm. and it's not In a-, a realistic setting. Yeah, and it's not great. Like, you didn't ask to be born. I, every time I see the scene, I consider doing that to Charlie when she's, when she turns 18. Be like, happy birthday, here's your bill. But like, kind of like Lorelai does in a fully joking manner, knowing that there is absolutely nothing expected behind it. Exactly. Right? If, if it's like a Gilmore reference, it's one thing. But if it's like a genuine, like, I brought you into this world, now you owe me. Then it gets weird, which luckily is not the way it comes from Lorelai, but... You know what? Girl has a lot of free time for a single mom. (laughs) Like, when you look at the paper, you can't really read what it says, but it has a breakdown of everything, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is anybody surprised Emily never sent a bill? Honestly? A little bit. I mean, she is ridiculously wealthy, as we will hear <laughs> later in the episode. Maybe it just went unnoticed. <laughs> Regardless, that joke came and left in like two seconds. Like it was presented and then just dropped. Yes. So, what she does do is tell her about Kirk. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is a, a moment to be made fun of. I mean, Rory is ridiculously excited about the thought right? of her new stepdad. <laughs> Which I feel like Kirk would be the world's most interesting stepdad like if max jumped into it you know head first kirk would just be a nightmare kirk would be like i want to tuck you in at night (laughs) (laughs) um there was a scene season five maybe where paris rory and lane get drunk oh yeah and then in the next morning kirk is there and it's very brother sister yeah like you can't look at him as no. a parental figure i don't i couldn't totally see that. not after seeing him build a cereal fort because paris offended him yeah no it's yeah. very hard to imagine him I'm as a excited for us to get to that point but we're <laughs> so far from that yeah we are so it's breakfast so they make a big bowl of cereal with marshmallows to share um a mixing bowl of rice krispies milk and mini marshmallows uh-huh which 
Rory puts a spoon in two, and then she leaves. Well, that's what they do with all of their. Yes. I know it's TV, but I know, but it's... they like prepare this food. They get this big plate or bowl, or whatever, and they take a bite if you're lucky, and that's it. We have spit buckets. Come on. You could take a bite. You could do it. <sighs> they have the fancy milk in the glass bottle. Well, what we do find out in this conversation is that Rory has her swearing in ceremony on her first day of school. After school, rather. Um, mm-hmm. And surprise, surprise, Emily's invited and coming. So please play mm-hmm. nice. I mean, I think that makes sense. I feel like the assumption put should be anything that happens at Chilton, Emily is invited to well what's interesting we see richard at a lot of events Mm -hmm. i don't think we see a whole lot of events like chilton rory things that emily shows up to alone like Mm -hmm. they had the uh the school project that richard helped with uh she does her speech in a future episode with paris that richard shows up to watch it's normally richard that shows up to see these things so it's interesting i think to see emily there by herself Mm -hmm. but like even so if Rory or Lorelai didn't tell Emily, Emily would have found out. Because she gets a new yeah. letter. And, like, yeah. imagine in a week she finds out, oh, her daughter got, or her granddaughter, rather, uh, her granddaughter got vice president, and she didn't know, and she didn't go to that. She would, they would never hear the end of it. Yeah. I'm assuming that they told Emily and Richard that she- they want that she's vice president at Suki's wedding because that's where she found out. Yeah, and at that mm. point they're probably looking for other things to talk about. Mm. Yeah, well, after the ceremony, it's going to be a little awkward. We find out that Rory uh, lied to her mother, told her it was three o'clock, but it's actually three fifteen because otherwise Lorelai would have been late. Um, mm. Lorelai doesn't strike me as a late person. Right? That threw me off. Have we had this issue before? Uh, I mean, waking up late, that's like yeah. the one time we've kind of the consistently see her struggle. Mm-hmm. But no, I feel like she's pretty punctual. I mean, she's very professional. We know yeah. that with her work. So I don't know, maybe it's specifically the day, maybe based on what her activities were during the day. Rory knew she needed to give her some extra time. but Like getting out of work to mm-hmm. get there on time. Yeah, maybe. but she makes it. Yeah. Um, and even so, she makes a minute after three o'clock, which is not super late. Yeah. yeah. You're fine. But Rory really wants Lorelai and Emily to be good. She's trying mm-hmm. so hard. Yeah. Well, and then there's this, like, little scene of Rory gets her spot, and she tells her to put your purse on the seat next to you, save it for Grandma. And, like, Lorelai's picking up her purse and then oh, I should put it there and like back and forth and then of course in the moment where she does not have the purse on the seat is when Emily shows up and has to quip mm-hmm. well you could have put your purse on well the and seat. you know if she's gonna show up at any point in time it's going to be when the purse is already on her lap of course oh yeah definitely at that point you're just running a gamble of getting yelled at mm-hmm. or lectured I guess okay guys Emily is wearing the famous purple and blue blazer yes i have a note in my in my fashion notes that i need to apologize because previously i used that sweater Mm -hmm. as an indicator for spring but it is very Ah. clearly fall and she's wearing it year round 
It just so feels sorry. like a spring sweater. Look at the colors. It's got spring it feels vibes. Like one. Yeah. It looks like Easter eggs. Yeah. She loves but it. But it's very pretty. <laughs> yeah. It's a good look. So we get a couple speeches. Rory does her speech, which, by the way, I guess it makes sense. Vice president first and then president. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Feels like a lot. I was never in student government, but it felt like tedious. Yeah. Especially during Paris's speech. Like they were yeah, literally no, looking not... at their watches. No, I I have an issue with their responses. Like I see them I can see them being fully invested in Rory's speech, you know, it's daughter and granddaughter. But Paris is so passionate and somewhat violent and revolutionary in her speech that I would still be just as intrigued just to see <laughs> where it's going. Yeah. Like, how do you look at your watch in that speech? We see the student council, and we actually see a familiar face within the student council. Francie, who was the Puffs president? Mm-hmm. Oh, she's back. Lead. Yeah. Main girl? I don't know. Le- leader of the Puffs, That's as it. she later describes yes. herself. She is there as well. And guys, I gotta tell you, the Chilton scenes were so boring for me. Yeah, I always remember Francie by the bathroom scene. Mm -hmm. Like, that's always the scene I think of when I think about Francie. And, like, even that scene, I think maybe because it's all about student government and I'm, like, so far out of school, that is so far behind me, it feels so silly. Mm -hmm. But when I was in school, I feel like it made more sense and I felt more interested in it. I don't know. It's it's weird. So the the speeches end... Lorelai and Emily are waiting for Rory, and um, Emily actually starts to say something, and Rory ironically cuts her off, right, by arriving. Mm -hmm. And I loved it, because isn't the expectation after this event a celebratory dinner? Like, I mean, that would make sense, I would think so, yeah. Yeah. But no, just dismissed. Completely dismissed. By Rory. Yeah, I mean, anytime I had any kind of, like, big event anything like that it's everybody who came is like okay are we gonna go get lunch or dinner or whatever Mm -hmm. it is so yeah that would totally make sense that's really interesting that they didn't well i think that's the point why emily looks so taken aback Mm -hmm. when rory just says all right bye grandma Mm -hmm. that's it i can see that go away now but actually emily asked lorelei for lunch yeah and this like really throws lorelei this is not something that she and her mom do. They are not ladies that lunch together. She doesn't even know how to respond. Like, she doesn't respond. It just, not oh. Really. <laughs> uh, okay. And Emily is working very, Emily's working very hard to make this work for Lorelai. Like, yeah. it is, you know, we can go wherever, whenever, like. We can go to that Luke's that you're always talking about at one or if another time works for you. Emily's trying very hard. She yes. is. And I actually, I kind of feel for Emily in this moment, but I also think stay out of her business, man. I would feel for Emily if I didn't know where it was going. Exactly. Yes. Yes. If this was a true reaching out, let's put the past behind us and, you know, start a little fresh. I would totally feel for her. But I know mm-hmm. where it's going, and it's just another tactic. So, okay, we jump to the next day. Guys, this is going to be another time issue. Right? More Chilton. We're at Chilton. Is this before school? I guess. Coffee and donuts, I would assume so. 
Okay, so they have an yeah. hour. They came an hour early for this meeting before school, mm-hmm. because the next scene we see is Lorelai at Luke's at one o'clock. Yeah. So like, maybe student government is actually one of their classes. That could be the case too, or they have like a free period that they're required uh-huh. to do student government or something. Yeah. Okay. So maybe I I don't know, obviously. Yeah. But possible. Okay. Well. That was just my little time thing. That's it. <laughs> There's yeah. always got to be something. Yeah. <laughs> and the first student government meeting, it happens. Mm-hmm. Paris is definitely very much in charge. She has a way she wants to do things, and she's not really interested in listening to other people's opinions. They get to the end of the meeting, and Rory's like, we had coffee and donuts, and nobody even touched the coffee and donuts. Like, this is supposed to be a meet and greet. Like... Not this a isn't how you... it's supposed to be. Yeah. And it just ends up being, you know, Paris being Paris. Yes. Uh, the one thing we do find out is that Francie, her biggest issue right now is that skirts are a little bit too long and she wants shorter hemlines. Which I gotta admit, I've never agreed with Paris so much in my life. I'm like, oh yes, this is the biggest issue you have. Oh, to be 17 well, and again. And my on that too, I was like, does the student body even the student body government really have control over the dress code i don't wouldn't that be an administrative thing i mean i feel like if there was going to be any way that students could try to get the dress code changed it would be to go through the student body because they have like they have the ear of the administration right like they have a direct line all i just i don't know again thinking back to being in high school Obviously, I didn't have a uniform, so Sandra would be the expert here, but really, the hemlines of your skirt? Would that have been a huge deal for the people at your school, Sandra? Uh, Here's the thing. A lot of girls rolled up their skirts, right? That's what I was thinking. You can kind of DIY it. So what you were supposed to do is your hand straight out, straight by your side, right? And it be no shorter than where your knuckle is. Okay. So hands to the side can't be shorter than that. No one really followed that because everyone rolled up their skirts. And, like, Mm -hmm. it kind of got a little weird because, like, the male teachers would be, like, roll down your skirt. And then some of the girls would be, like, why are you looking? So, like, (laughs) yeah, it was just valid. So, um, things got controversial at my school. But for the most part, it wasn't enforced too badly. I mean, my school did this. Well, the high schools I went to, they did the same thing of if you were wearing a skirt. Again, arms straight down. It had to be like I think below your bot, your longest finger, or yeah, like ours your thumb was finger or something tip. like that. Yeah, it had to be past fingertip. Not that I ever wore anything even remotely that short oh, in God, high school. No. I wore only jeans and sweatshirts year round. It was a vibe. <laughs> it was really great. My my senior year is when leggings were like first starting to come. <sighs> so leggings under the skirts. And teachers were still getting mad about, like, skirt length and stuff. It's like, I'm essentially wearing pants underneath my skirt. Let it yeah. go. <laughs> I used to wear skirts until junior... I think I talked about this. Until junior, senior year. And then I started wearing pants. And they were so mean to me because I wore pants. And I was just like, the pants are so much more comfortable. Why do I have to wear a skirt? And you don't have yeah, to wash your legs. <laughs> yeah. And the socks. The high, <laughs> knee, knee-high socks are the worst thing about high school and catholic school anyways <laughs> so we cut to the inn 
And I gotta tell you guys, this is like a three-minute scene just roasting vegetarians. Yeah, which, I mean, like, Suki is a chef at kind of a restaurant within an inn. And I know that Suki's like the head chef. She's like this magical chef who creates perfect food. But I would think that there would be something about being a chef and creating lots of meals that it would make you excited to create different types of food to please different types of people. Like it'd be a challenge, right? That's mm-hmm. what I would think. Well, and even more fun. But Suki hates vegetarians. Hates them. Doesn't want them anymore. Wants to trick them into eating meat. <laughs> yeah, which is awkward. Um, I've been watching a show on Hulu right now called The Bear, and it's amazing. And it has to do with, like, a, a small restaurant. It's super anxiety-ridden because, like, it's just screaming behind, corner all the time because people are constantly going across each other. It's like working in a restaurant. hmm And um, they talk about, like, making brand new dishes and everything and how exciting that is. Suki would kill at a great gardenere or or like a salad. Um, she could kill that. Like, why is she yeah. so focused on only meat stuff? Well, know. and in the future too, when they're at the dragonfly, when Suki's like prepping for her maternity leave or something, she's like looking at the people they have coming to stay, and she's like, "Oh, why didn't you tell me we had vegetarians?" And she's like excited about it. Mm-hmm. So it's like at some point her <laughs> opinion changes. I really it's feel this was grow. just Amy doing a three minute right? rant. Just, yeah, <laughs> there are a lot of times, especially I think in early scenes of Gilmore, where you're like, "Wow, that character has a weirdly strong opinion of something," and it's like, "Or does Amy have a really yeah. strong opinion?" And went, "I'm gonna make them say it." <laughs> Side note: Never ever feed a vegetarian meat. Just yeah. Don't do that. Don't. Not cool. And I I learned this recently, and I, uh, I, I guess within the last decade, um, if you have not had a certain meat ever or yeah, in a very long time, very your system is not used to it and cannot handle it. So uh, if Suki were to feed meat to vegetarians, she would literally make them sick. Yep. And that also goes to people that don't eat pork, um, yeah. like me. And if I do eat pork, accidentally or otherwise... I get very sick because our system, after you, you're not used to it, you're not used to it. So, like, don't do that. That's sucky. <laughs> well, going off of this subject. Uh, <laughs> see, this is what I meant by short scenes because now we're back at school, right? Well, like, the Suki vegetarian scene, what else happened in that scene? Was there anything that moved the plot forward that I have forgotten? Uh, Lorelai's worried about the lunch. Yeah, she, yeah, she's worried the about the lunch with yeah with Emily. Oh, with Emily. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's basically yeah. It. we just have a couple of longer scenes, and then realistically, like this episode isn't necessarily a filler episode, but other than like the end scene, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a whole lot really happens up to it for me. I mean, it's a fun. I like it. The first, what is this? A forty-two, forty-three minute episode. The first 20 minutes of this episode is a filler, and the last 20 minutes are intense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, like I said, we go back to Chilton. I'm assuming... For the bathroom scene. (laughs) Yeah, and Rory gets kidnapped, basically. Yeah. 
This is, so we've gotten a weird view of Francie so far, right? We met her as the Puffs leader where she wanted Rory, right? Rory was the Mm -hmm. new kid. She wanted to pull her into the Puffs. We had all the Puffs drama. And then she disappeared for a while. Mm -hmm. Now she's back. She's the senior class president. She desperately wants shorter skirts. And she's okay, like, being super nasty to get what she wants. As somebody who is a leader of a secret organization, none of this surprises me. Like, the whole thing just feels in line. Like, she's great when she wants something terrible mm-hmm. otherwise. I'm going to say it, guys. Francie's acting like a witch, but with a B. With a B. <laughs> yeah. It's rude. Straight yeah. Up. Oh, it's, it's, it's worse than that. It's yeah. one thing to be like... I want to go behind Paris's back to talk to Rory because I know that Rory is more reasonable. And it's another to be like, I'm going to let it slip to Paris that you and I are having secret meetings because anybody who knows Paris knows that she is super paranoid about that kind of stuff. Francie is right about that. That would tank Rory and Paris's relationship. Francie got to Paris first. If Rory would have just left this conversation and went to Paris and been like, hey, so this just happened. I will let you deal with it how you want. Because honest to God, there is no way Francie has more pull than Paris. Right? Paris would badger anybody into submission. And like, let's think about it. If Francie and Paris is a Francie v. Paris situation, who's coming up on top? Paris? Oh, Paris. Mm Mm-hmm. The whole, like, this whole concept of Francie blackmailing Rory to get what she wants drives me crazy. But then I think, okay, when I was in high school, I was easily intimidated. I don't know if I would have had the confidence to stand up mm-hmm. to something like this. So, like, I I want to kind of sympathize with Rory a little bit. But at the same time, I just, I know, like, if you had just gone to Paris, hey, this happened. This whole thing could have been avoided. Now, that being yeah. said... If we take away the fact that Rory should have just told Paris, what she's trying to do is protect Paris. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. ultimately, it's just to protect Paris. And that is such a big step from where we were season one, season two. Rory likes Paris, at least as a friend. Yeah. And I feel like the writers are just, or the creator or whoever, is just trying to find a reason for Rory and Paris to hate each other again. Mm-hmm. And I hate it. Don't we have enough drama with Jess and Shane right now? Like, come on. (laughs) Apparently no, because we've got a lot of drama still coming in this episode. I I feel like Francie's in a couple more episodes, but, like, that's it, right? Like, they get rid of her pretty quickly. Yeah, she's not one that sticks around. The the conclusion to this arc. Yeah. And I think that's kind of it. Uh, she's not my favorite character. I would do without. Like, it's like, some characters are like, I don't like, but like, they make the story better. She doesn't make the story mm-hmm. better. Yeah, I also feel like, even if like, if for some reason, the hemlines, if that was like a story arc that was important, and it was going to have some kind of payoff later in the season, Madeline and Louise could totally have pitched that idea. Like, right? if you needed to have a character pitch the idea of shorter skirts... We have two characters that we love already that could easily fill that. Yeah. yeah. and I, I don't understand like why they weren't the ones to pitch it to begin with. Francie mm-hmm. could have come up with something, like, they could have come up with something better for Francie. Uh, vending yeah. machine. Yeah. Or something like mm-hmm. that, you know what I mean? 
like hemlines that's what francie's worried about it doesn't make sense for her character either the little that we know about her so i don't know i think they just wanted to give her something that was clearly super frivolous that Mm -hmm. paris would have no interest in yeah true but we move on anyway to luke steiner and luke has the best greeting to a customer what the hell are you doing here (laughs) right it's nice to be back in Luke's. It was so yeah. weird how being in Luke's feels in this episode because we haven't really been here for so long. Like, it's like being back home. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, and I, I noticed this in the opening, or not the opening, but earlier, Luke's special omelet is still oh, on the special still board. Up there. Yeah. Sandra noticed on our Instagram that tomatoes is still misspelled. It is. <laughs> I love the magic of whenever the main characters arrive to Luke's and Luke's is busy, unless it's going to be a plot point that he's busy, there's always a table that miraculously is getting up at that exact moment. Yep. <laughs> main character. It's like, Lorelai is nice. here. We have to leave. <laughs> oh, no. Guys. And Gilmore has walked in. <laughs> my favorite thing in the world is that Kirk told Luke that he wants oh, to act gosh. out. Lorelei. Of course he would. Like that is the quintessential Luke and Kirk relationship is Kirk coming to Luke for advice that Luke does not want to give, but you know Luke was like, "Do it, buddy. I believe I really, in you." <laughs> I really cannot decide if Kirk like truly thinks Luke is like his best friend. Oh, 100. I, I really think do. But we have a future episode with the Twickham house where I'm like, you wouldn't do that to somebody you actually cared about. Maybe he thinks that Luke is his best friend, but he's not Luke's best friend. You know what I mean? And Kirk knows, yeah, yeah. Kirk knows it. <laughs> like, you're know. my best friend. But. I also feel like in this episode, like we already talked about with Kirk, Kirk is so genuine and sweet in this episode. Mm-hmm. In later seasons, Kirk has like a devious mean streak he to does. him. That is... I don't feel like tracks with all of the Kirk that we've seen. Like he came in as Kirk the jerk and then he kind of like balances out, but then he goes off the deep end with yeah. like Twickham house stuff and the old ladies and the rings and stuff, but we'll get there. Um, the dark side of Lulu. <laughs> <laughs> I will say Luke is obviously a troll here. He's And living his course. best life. It reminded me of the time that Lorelai went out with that young kid and he yeah. couldn't stop making fun of her. Guys, are they flirting? Because they haven't really flirted since season one. I don't know if it's flirting at this point, because... It doesn't feel flirty. Like, it just feels antagonistic. Like, and Breakfast didn't feel flirty either. It's It feels like there's, there's some uh-huh. roughness they're still working out. Getting back to that, like, equilibrium. Okay. Like, Lorelai feels truly annoyed by what he's saying. And Luke, I feel like, is just enjoying Lorelai's discomfort because it's Kirk. Why not? Yeah. Totally fair. And of course, Emily arrives just as Lorelai is throwing a spoon. Well, because when else? <laughs> yeah, when else? It's like the purse moment. Emily just has the worst or the best timing, depending on what you enjoy seeing happen. <laughs> <laughs> Emily sits down. She swears up and down. She's just there to, like, have lunch with her. There's no ulterior motive. As soon as Lorelai accepts it. So I talked to Christopher. This is, like, so almost, like, beyond the pale. Like, the fact that 
Lorelai said, we broke up. His girlfriend is having a baby. It's assumed that they're getting married. That Emily would still contact him and try to get them back together. Like, does she not see the irony in that she is saying Christopher and Lorelai have to be together because they fathered a child? But Sherry, who's about to have a new baby, does not deserve the that same. woman? No. Right? Uh, Emily has no respect for Sherry. Sherry is literally the other woman in her eyes, which is ridiculous because as we all know, Lorelai other womaned Sherry by kissing mm-hmm. Sherry's man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They weren't broken up yet. Once no, again, weren't. Christopher and Sherry were going to discuss their relationship when she got back. At that point, they were still together. But let us yeah. not be, like, don't get us wrong. Christopher's at fault here. Because he's yes. the one stringing oh, two yeah. women along. Yeah. I just... It's awful I just on can't... all sides. I just can't get over the pure hypocrisy of Emily. Oh, no. And Richard. Like, both of them, obviously, when Lorelai told them. But I, like, I know they live in this special land where they're above everybody else and, and you're supposed to do what they say. But she's literally lecturing Lorelai for Christopher doing what they always says he should have done but apparently mm-hmm. just not right with the right woman mm-hmm. well no she's trapping him which is super gross I which that. is the opposite of what Lorelai wanted to do when she was having a baby she did not want to trap Chris mm-hmm. she did not want that and also it doesn't seem like that's what Sherry is doing either like no. Sherry is not the bad guy here. Guys, I don't even think Sherry knows anything that happened with Lorelai. Oh, no. I hope not for her oh, sake. No, like, we will find out. She does not. No. Yeah. The baby shower episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She thanks Lorelai because something she said made him come back a different man. Dif- different episode, a whole other thing. <laughs> Sherry is at no point the bad guy. No. Ex- and, well, until the very end of Sherry. Well, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, but like, now. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> it's so hard with all this knowledge not to get into the Sherry weeds. and Shane aren't that same like level of- They're innocent. The only reason we hate him is because the Gilmores want their man and they can't have them. Yep. And interesting that they are both conventionally very pretty blondes mm-hmm. to oppose our two very pretty brunettes. I mean, even well, Sherry and Shane. Sherry's not blonde yet. <laughs> I mean, she was blonde-ish. blonde She's not... She she will get Dirt. a little bit more blonde. <laughs> Dirty blonde. <laughs> well, anyways, Lorelai is just like, this is not your business. And uh, of course, Emily is like, of course it's my business. You are my business, blah, blah. Lorelai walks out again. This is her second yeah. time in two weeks where she just she can't handle it. She leaves. Honestly, I kind of vibe with it. I don't blame her. Yeah. 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 Does Emily stay to eat her salad? Right? What happens to the burger that she ordered? I mean, what happens to the burgers that she routinely orders and then, like, runs out of the diner on? This is not the first, nor will it be the last time that Lorelai potentially wastes food at Luke's. Luke boxes him up and sends him home for later. Right. Yeah, his his fridge I, upstairs is full of Lorelai's leftovers. <laughs> I don't doubt it. So we cut back to Chilton for another student council meeting. What we didn't mention last time is that uh, one of the things that Paris wants to pass is getting rid of the 93-year-old librarian. 
I'm going to call oh this the, like, E plot. Because the funny thing is, we see the whole librarian thing play out. Yes. And we find out that the librarian is now at the ICU. And I want to know why the hell she's at the ICU. I bet Paris did it. Did Paris try to kill this woman? Did she give her a heart attack by firing her? Like, what happened? No idea. Because she says, like, we need her to come back so she can sign the paper and then she can be officially gone. So, like, Mm -hmm. did she tell her and the woman had a heart attack before she could get her to sign the paperwork? What happened to this poor lady? I think that's kind of the implication. how terrible is it that a 93-year-old woman is still working? Right? Yeah, that's, like, the older I get, the more I am genuinely heartbroken anytime I see an elderly person working. Right? And it's one thing if it's, like, a job where, like, they do it because they love it. Right? But then it's another thing if you are genuinely working because otherwise you will be homeless or unable to care for yourself. That kills yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and speaking, we kind of spoke about Louise and Madeline before. They are actually in student council, which yes. is a little surprising because they weren't where they voted in. I'm, Who are they? Secretary and treasurer? Nobody knows. Cabinet members? I don't know. Maybe they could be like secretaries of something or... Mm-hmm. Like they're just on the student council, not yeah. even like a formal position. They're just on student council, so they're involved in, like, the first one to involve in events and stuff. Well, well it's hard because we have to remember that they are supposed to be some of the top students. Louise, when we first met them, oh, in the beginning, well, yeah. I mean, when we they first met went, them, yeah, they were supposed we first to be met top them. students, and they're trying to get into good schools, so they're definitely doing. Yeah, and you know, Louise actually puts forward. They should do a dance because a dance brings in money and also is a yep. dance. And I think that's a great idea. That's actually mm-hmm. a really good idea. I don't remember what Mel- Madeline wanted. Pictures. An actual photographer. Oh, yes. oh, right. And then Louise's, like, godfather is Godfather Hel- is Helmut Newton? Yeah. <laughs> Tell him cool. to leave the whips at home? Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, Francie still wants her hemlines. She gives a very pointed look at Rory. And, guys, I'm going to say Rory was very manipulative in this conversation to Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Again, Rory, if you would have just told her, hey, Francie came to me and is trying to blackmail me into forcing you to push this issue. Handle it how you want. Like, this just happened. If she didn't have that conversation as soon as she left the bathroom, I feel like at this moment, she still has time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. She does. But she doesn't. Instead, she... she, I mean, but she... follows along with Francie's schemes. She spins it that potentially this is going to lead towards more general favorable sentiment to Paris, which is true. And in that regard, she is looking out for Paris, but like, come on. Don't you want to be beloved? (sighs) It's Paris. I don't think Paris really cares about being beloved by anybody. But Paris has a boyfriend or Paris has at least a boy who's interested in her at this point. She's a softer Paris now. Mm -hmm. Though as of now, Jamie's out of the picture. I just want Paris and Rory to be friends. Right? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But she does agree. Paris agrees to push the headline issue through. Again, guys, the most boring storyline. Yeah, all of the Chilton stuff is really a drag, and it feels like there's a lot of it in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I guess it's Friday, because they're going to Friday night dinner. Rory's still defending uh, Emily, and Lorelai says something. She says, sometimes you have to cut people out. And I agree with that sentiment. Sometimes 
people are toxic to you and you're like, it's more healthy to just stop talking to you. Yeah, it really is. And even if they're related to you, like, I know that there's a lot of like, you know, at least within my family, there's a lot of, you know, push to be close with our relatives. But if there are people who it is not serving me to have any kind of relationship beyond the blood one that we have, I don't need to speak to them. Exactly. I agree. Family takes care of family is not always the case. Sometimes family kind of tortures family and you're better off. Sometimes your family are the people you choose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if it wasn't for Rory, Lorelai definitely would not be talking to Emily. Oh, I mean, literally, the only reason that they have this much relationship is because she had to go to them for Chilton. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, if we go all the way back to the beginning... It would be Easter and Christmas. And that would be it. That would be the relationship. I am so intrigued by what Lorelai's life would have been had she not had Rory. Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. I want to know. I think she yeah. still would have. Obviously, she would have cut him out. Yeah. I think she would have went to the college that she would have wanted to go to. But, like, mm-hmm. managing the end makes her happy. So I yeah. hope she would have found something that would have made her as equally happy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think she would have. I think she's happier in this light. Yeah. Well, we get a phone call from Kirk, who doesn't understand the answering machine, calls again, and his mom picks up halfway through the convo. <laughs> his mom, so who sad. is unwell. Kirk had to cut Aww. all the knees out of her pants because <laughs> her pants are, her knees are so swollen. Like, Kirk's mother, we never see her. But the no. more that we get to know Kirk, the we- more we hear about his mother. <laughs> I never really watched Big Bang Theory, but there's something similar there too, right? Like, um, oh yeah, the- with Howard's mom, yeah. I think. Like constantly in the background. Yeah, yeah. just kind of yells. You hear the voice and nothing else. I mean, we don't even really get that much of Kirk's mom. I yeah, think this, this is this only- is probably the only time we ever hear from her. Yeah, yeah. We just hear about her. Has Kirk already said that he has 12 brothers and sisters? Yes. I... It was at the Tisca to Tasket okay. when he's lecturing oh, Jackson. yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. Kirk's family life is, is a mess. So that woman deserves to not leave her house. She she right. can rest for the rest of her life. 12 kids. I would be exhausted. You'd never see me again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, this is where the shift in the episode comes in. It's really the last 13 minutes, not really even the last 20. We go to Friday night dinner. There's a new maid. Unfortunately, Sarah is not the best maid Emily has ever had. So I always remember this maid's name. Yeah. Because she reminds me of Sarah Silverman. She does have that look. Yeah. Doesn't she? I think it's really funny. Like, you can tell that they knew that this episode was going to get dark because they were like, we gotta throw in some comic relief. Like, quick, remind them we're funny, too. Because, like, (laughs) Sarah is so out of place in what's about to happen here. (laughs) Sarah's the type of maid that would normally, on any other occasion, leave the Gilmore house sobbing. On day one. Yeah, immediately. And Emily's Emily's tempering herself. Richard made a comment. Yep. He made a comment about the fact that she can't keep a maid. So she's trying. God bless her. I feel like one thing. I feel bad that this is the maid that she's gotten stuck <laughs> right? with. Right? Obviously, Emily's uh, treatment of maids—we've talked about it before. Not cool. Not okay. 
but a lot of her maids are competent. They're just not up to her standards. Sarah is, like, objectively a bad maid. This is, like, some kind of karmic, like, like retribution. I don't want to call her, st- I don't want to call the girl, stu- the woman stupid, but, like, Big Bell. <laughs> the Big Bell. Oh, the small bell is the stove. Does that mean she thought the small bell was the doorbell before? I, I don't know. When Sarah walks away with those salads, though, that's some, like, <laughs> incredible comedy. <laughs> well, oh, no. My favorite part is when she announces dinner is ready. Emily's like, we eat at 7. It's 6.30. I know. Like, she just looks so proud of herself <laughs> for being I a half hour early. 30 minutes early. That's a good thing, right? She's giving, Sarah is giving, like, Amelia Bedelia. Like she, that is such a reference. She is, <laughs> <laughs> she's she's a struggle maid, but we love her. <laughs> With her being the comic relief of the scene, kind of wish it had been Sarah Silverman. Yeah, Uh-oh. it would have been good. Anyway, um, uh, Emily's about to have a connection because of Sarah, and the doorbell rings, and uh, like you said, just Sarah takes the silence with her uh, to doorbell. open the doorbell. Big bell, yeah, boom. Sarah, the salads. Sarah. <laughs> and then we never see Sarah again. And then yeah. Sarah what does she do with I don't know what salads. happened to Sarah. <laughs> Sarah disappears into a closet and she's just gone. Emily's buried her in the backyard. Guys. No, uh. Someone comes and it's freaking Christopher. The most unwelcome guest. But at this point, like, Christopher has to feel welcome because Emily reached out. Yes. Yeah, he thinks so, this is appropriate to come during yeah. Friday night dinner to talk to him because Emily's going to be on his side. And mm-hmm. she kind of is, right? Up to this point, well, she which, is on his of, side. As of now. Yeah, yes. up to this point. Because that's one of the first things Lorelai says to him, or says to him and Emily, is like, implying you that Emily this. did this. And Emily's like, I did not. I did not have anything to do with this. Because I think Emily is smart here. In saying that, because she needs to get out ahead of this and say it, because yeah. if she had invited Christopher, this would be, like, so, so awful. But no, Christopher just knew that they would be there. Because, and we'll talk about this in season five, when we get there, but, like, <laughs> this isn't even going to be the last time Emily does this. Yep. Uh, like, this is awful. No, this is the first time. This is the first mm-hmm. time. And there's immediate yelling. And I feel so bad for Rory in this instance. I'm a divorce uh, kid, like, divorced parents. And it was awful before they got the divorce. You know, there was so much yelling. There was so much screaming. And, like, you kind of lose yourself for a little bit. Like, Chris says, like, you're, you're keeping Rory away from me. And, and like, I never thought you would do that. Exactly. And, like, that's a big thing between divorced parents. Like, you're poisoning her against me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, not only is that insulting to my mom, but that's insulting to me. I have a mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the line that makes Rory get up. Yeah. And go tell him her piece. And I'm so proud of Rory in this moment. Yeah. Um, yes. Rory has issues standing up for herself. Not this season. Well, Mm-mm. I guess she had not it kind of with Francie, but like not this moment. This whole scene is just phenomenal acting by everybody in it. Like mm-hmm. we can have issues with Christopher 
and the actor. But mm-hmm. phenomenal acting. Like I I hate that I love the scene, but just it's so intense and it's so drama filled and and they all do such a great job that I just love feeling it. You can just feel the scene. I just wish it wasn't let down by what I'm gonna call bad camera work. Oh, there is a point where the camera moves after Chris has m- moved to go to the stairs and Lorelai kind of stops him after he's going to go after Rory, where the camera goes from being kind of like in one place to it's moving. And it's so like jarring and weird. I just I was so disappointed. It totally pulled me out of the moment. I never know. Yeah, I never that. noticed. <laughs> Honestly, in this moment, it, just... it always makes me emotional. Mm. Yeah, I Rory first off, but then also Lorelai. Lorelai's so heartbroken right now. She's devastated uh-huh. right? about all of this. And, like, she's trying to keep it together for her daughter, but, like, she's she can't always. She's human. Yeah. She's done a really good job so far mm-hmm. of keeping it together. And we saw last episode she's still encouraging Rory, like, you don't have to be mad at him for me. Yeah. And Rory's response is, no, I know that. I am mad at him for me. Christopher says his whole thing about, you know, you keeping Rory from me. And I love that Rory comes in as like, no, you made promises to me. Yeah. You made promises that we were going to be a family Mm -hmm. and you immediately turned back on them. Yeah. And she says, I always understand. And we Uh have seen Rory be that understand. Don't understand. Don't understand someone treating you like shit and accepting it. Yeah. It's... And Rory's upset, and she's like, is... she's still a kid, right? So she says, "Go be someone else's mm-hmm. dad," as like a valid point. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the the part of this fight that always makes me the most mad is when Lorelai and Chris are standing right in front of the door, mm-hmm. and Chris is essentially saying, "I want to have my cake and eat it too." Mm-hmm. Like, I want to have access to both of you is like kind of what he's saying which is one gross chris you don't get to do that but like she has to go into detail is sherry still pregnant yes are you still with sherry yes are you going to marry her yes then what do you want from me he wants a mistress like yeah he he wants a mistress or he wants Lorelai to come in and say they're there it'll be okay I know you didn't intend to do this you're seriously seeking comfort from the woman that you just promised a lifetime to and immediately abandoned and want her to tell you they're there it's fine yeah this is exactly how their last conversation ended of him wanting sympathy for being the oh I gotta go dad somebody else now I'm so glad that Emily is at least able to hear this discussion, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not Emily takes anything from this and holds on to it long term, which, spoiler I don't think she does. But I'm so glad that she's able to hear why Lorelai feels the way she feels about the Chris situation right now. And I love when Emily appears and tells him he needs to leave. Mm-hmm. Because that's your role at this point this is your house you need to kick him out he's not listening to Lorelai the one thing that really makes me frustrated about this fight besides that weird camera work is that Lorelai goes outside I know I hate it to comfort him don't 
like he just he upended your entire like okay i know it was a very short amount of time that they thought they were going to be together but it's been but a long there time there were a lot of promises made of her yeah. wanting to be with christopher yes of him waiting to, to get his life yep. together exactly uh like why does she go outside come on i just every time i see it it makes me so frustrated because it's like no why you could have stayed in there and you could have just closed the door and he would have driven off and you would have been in a better place than going i'm coming outside to comfort you chris we're still buddies the fight ends she shuts the door and and to me that's shutting the door on the relationship it's yeah. done nope and she, she goes back again. out to crack it. it just she cracks it mm-hmm. lets him know up yep. oh, there's still an opening there's mm-hmm. still a chance and i want to back up a little bit too after rory's um rory yells at him and goes upstairs and chris immediately looks at lorelei and says she didn't get there by herself oh no. i love her response <laughs> you helped her get there christopher yeah like lorelei's been telling and i think this is something that emily kind of held on to as well from the fight and hearing what she heard of lorelei telling christopher no i know she needs her father i've been telling her she needs her father mm-hmm. i think emily probably heard that mm-hmm. and liked it yeah um, i mean they were yelling at each but, other so i'm sure emily oh yeah everywhere oh i yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like does chris seriously just have no faith that rory is a smart girl smart individual that like <sighs> no she has her own feelings you abandoned her. And Lorelai yeah. doesn't need to tell her that for her to think that. This is a, a side, right? A side note. But, like, Rory looks more mature than ever. Like, yes. mm-hmm. she looks like an adult now. Mm-hmm. But they're still it's the season three her. makeup artist. Well, it yeah. is the makeup. She looks it's great. the same makeup <laughs> she artist. Looks yeah. But they're still treating her like a kid. And, like, yes. she's yeah. a senior in high school. She's... Mm-hmm. She's... <sighs> And she's smart as hell. Yeah. But I think that that, like, this whole being at that age and being at this point, there is such a weird, like, your life is so torn in two directions because at this moment, she is still a kid. She's in school. Mm -hmm. She is viewed as a child. And in less than a year, she's going to be living on her own, making Mm -hmm. her own choices. And I remember that period of my life because you're like, I'm a senior in high school. In less than a year, I'm going to be on my own, but you're still treating me like a baby. You're still giving me a curfew. You're still doing X, Y, and Z. Of course, Rory is like, has much bigger problems that she's dealing with, but ugh. Right. Rory turns 18 in a month, right? Mm -hmm. This is September. She turns 18 on October 4th. So like, I just wish Christopher would understand that Rory is her own person. Mm-hmm. If anyone has a, attachment issues, it's Lorelai. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, but Rory made up her own mind. And I don't think... Because we get into the next scene and Lorelai says, eventually you're going to forgive him. And you're going to want to go to the wedding. You're going to want to be involved in his life. I don't think Rory and Christopher ever really recover from this, right? Um, well, there's the weird stuff that happens, like, when she's in college, where they're kind of, like, buddies. I think this is where the first real break happens. Mm -hmm. And it's, it gets mended, you know, here and there, but the scar is still there. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Sorry, Rory. But she's also right. 
I have mom and that's all I need. Yep. Mm-hmm. But Jess, you wanted to say something? Oh, yes, yes there's sir. one other part of this scene. No, I jumped over it when I jumped to the, you know, Lorelai going outside at the end of the fight. After Emily stands up to Christopher and tells him to leave, there is like a moment where we get one of those signature Kelly Bishop looks where just like she looks at Lorelai and there is such like a kindness on her face. Like, oh, she gets it. Like, she's heard what's happened, and she kind of understands. And then immediately, Sarah is burning something, and so she has to run away, and it ruins the Which moment. dinner is made? What is she burning at this point? Well, only the salads came out and then disappeared, so who knows what's still in the oven. <laughs> but more of what you said, Jess, though, like, when they have that look together, I know you said you don't think Emily holds on to this. Mm-hmm. I think she does for a while. Yeah. I think it just over time it just kind of fades by season five <laughs> yeah but i think she does hold on to this for a while she kind of finally hears lorelei's point of view in the whole situation yeah hears that chris has in fact told her he is going to marry this woman lorelei's only option would be to be the other woman and that is not acceptable for any gilmore no yeah so I I do Unless- think Emily here. <laughs> I saw em- I saw Sandra's face do it too. It's only okay to be the other woman if you're a post grad, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, moving on from what I will say is a terrifically acted scene from yes. all of these actors. We not saying that the next scene is any badly is not badly acted. No, I mean, even even like, it's not Chris, as emotionally yes. charged. Even Chris does great mm-hmm. in that scene. Yeah. He is believable, he is raw, he is real. Good acting all around. Um, we move on back to Stars Hollow, and I'm just going to mention a set thing real quick. Every time I see the church, I'm reminded that this is the Pretty Little Liars uh, set as well. Oh, right? oh yeah. Because that church is like a main big main thing in the Pretty Little Liars world. So like every time I see it, I'm just like, oh, that's the same set. <laughs> <laughs> but that was just, that was it. Um, Rory's angry, and I don't blame her. Be Mm -hmm. angry. You have every right to be. (laughs) But what I love is that they realize they're hungry. I wonder if because things were burning, maybe they didn't get dinner. I don't think they did. Well, they say dinner Well, they said it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they ate burnt dinner, whatever it was. (laughs) They have to now gather together a Gilmore Girls dinner of all of the things Luke would hate, including... Uh, tater tots, beef easy aroni, mac, easy mac, like just a lot of pizza food. rolls, pizza rolls, mm-hmm. and so they're going to stop by Dozies. They are where Dean is clearly not working tonight, but okay, but he does work at Dozies, and those people around yes. him are his coworkers, right? I I have a hard time placing this conversation. So essentially, Rory is going to go into Dozies to gather everything. Because Lorelai is going to talk to Kirk. Kirk, yes. And that's where she yeah, tells him she can't go out with him. Um, But Rory's going to go in. She runs into Jess, and Jess essentially calls her on her BS. Like, hey, you seem pretty weird. Why the cold shoulder? Um, You seem to have a problem with me and Shane. Her name is Shane. Which, thank you, Jess, for (laughs) giving her a name. Right. Like, that was, like, a cool moment from Jess. And being like, she's a person. No, Her name yeah. is Shane. Like, good for you. Let's break this down, though, because Jess immediately starts in on Rory. Like, he doesn't give he her a second. He blocks her path. Yep. yep. 
Um, which kind of gross, by the way, blocking the path. I don't like that. But yeah. Anybody feel a parallel between the fight we just saw? Except in this fight, Rory's a Christopher. Well, tight bit. Yeah. Not as dramatic, yeah. obviously, and not as many stakes riding on it, but Yeah, she I mean, really does also. Yeah. Maybe she takes after her dad more than we thought. <laughs> I mean, he asked her, Did you call me? Did you send a letter? No, you just kissed me, told me not to tell anyone. How flattering. Thanks, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then just left. And oh, by yeah. the way, are you still dating your boyfriend? Because you are, right? Yeah. Yep. And she is. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, he, Jess is totally in the right here. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. of course, he's going about it in his chip on his shoulder Jess way. But no, she didn't contact him. She kissed and ran. And now she's somehow thinking it's okay to be pissed that he's with somebody else while he is watching her walk around with Dean. Yeah. It is very. No, Rory. This is another triangle. Yeah. Like, how do you justify yeah. that in your head? Like, really, Rory, how do you justify this in your head that you cheat on your boyfriend, tell the boy that you cheated on him with to not tell anybody? He doesn't, by the way. Yeah. He keeps your secret. He's not trusted. You want him to be your best friend while you stay with the boy you cheated on? Or, Or even more. Because, like, there's this very clear implication, and we all know. She is jealous of Shane. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she just wants him to sit around and wait for her, which unfortunately men are wont to do in the Gilmore universe, but Jess, Jess is not, which good for him. Right? Yeah. I mean, that will change. Unfortunately, Jess yes. will become a waiter, but right now he is not. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad he called her out because I feel yeah. like she is, she's stringing Dean along, first off. Right. Yes. And I don't like Dean, but Dean doesn't deserve to be treated like this because no one deserves Hold to on. be treated right. like this. This is our third good Dean episode in a row. I mean, Dean was only in for like 30 seconds. But he was in it. <laughs> he was. And he there was nothing wrong with him. No, he said like, sentences. We are getting such a good Dean edit at this yeah. point. He only exists to be the good, dutiful boyfriend in this well, particular trio. Well, now they're trio. building up for the sympathy. Yes. Yeah. 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 They've they've made him the bad boyfriend to make us like Jess. Now they're building up the sympathy to make it okay when, you know, the yeah. future happens. <laughs> but there's so much tension. There's so much like, all right, fine. Bye. Bye. Like, it's so angsty and attitude and and not quiet. Co-workers can hear this. It feels like they are standing at the checkout having this right? conversation. They like, are. They are. But, they but are standing at a closed lane, like next five, to not the even five feet. Yeah. And I don't care if you work different shifts or not. Like this is clearly a dramatic fight happening in the grocery store of a small town with the girlfriend of the bad boy. Also, like. It's essentially Stars Hollow's sweetheart, Rory Gilmore, mm-hmm. and Stars Hollow villain bad boy, Jess, which, like, we know they're both hot topics of conversation. There was a whole Anything meeting about that it. happens, yeah, people are going to talk about these two. I you know what? Yeah. Un- un- I'm going realistic. to decide that Dean hears about this fight and decides to move on. <sighs> he tucks it in with the... Dean she likes moving on. Jess, doesn't she? <laughs> Name a pair that doesn't really happen. Yeah. 
Uh-huh. I don't know. It's just also she looks gorgeous in the scene, so I'm really glad she. Oh my god! Right? <laughs> yeah. No, we're gonna <laughs> talk about it. We'll talk about everything. But yeah, she leaves the the store and Lorelai's like, "Hey, are you done?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm done." Talking about different things there. Yeah. And she's definitely and she's in a done. huff. And I think that Lorelai picks up on that. We don't hear anymore. Well, you see but... Lorelai looking in the window. So she you have to assume that she saw Rory and Jess animatedly talking to each other. Yeah. And she knows. Like, she might not know what the exact conversation is, but she knows what happened and she knows they're probably fighting about the kiss. Guys, I like this episode. I think the acting is great, but there's just some parts that are boring. I hate to yeah, say it. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I enjoy this episode. Yeah. I do. La, 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 Moving on to Tom's person of the week. This one was a hard one for me. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. No one really showed. I have like an Yeah, I have an off the wall one, but Okay. Is it Kirk? Kirk. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm okay with that. I'm good I'm, with that. I'm good with it too. Um he you know, he didn't take the nice guy approach of like immediately calling someone that respectfully says no to you a bad word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which Yeah. Yeah. Or even just being like Oh, well, that's good because I changed my mind. Like, he didn't yeah, do right. that either. He was, like, okay with it. Yeah. I, you know what, Kirk? Congratulations. I fully support that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for being honestly, a good man. honestly, my only other option after that is no town's person of the week, so. Yeah, my other option was maybe Emily for, like, changing at the end. But she's I still mean, manipulative at ugh. one point. Like, I feel like Lorelai... Say, Lorelai would have been my other. Yeah, Lorelai isn't, like awful in this episode like mostly she's reacting but at the same time i feel like this person is for the person that shines yeah and lorelei does good but she doesn't necessarily shine in this episode you know who gets it mickey the mouse <laughs> mickey the mouse who we could hear squeaking right oh there was I squeaking during that scene okay uh, maybe I imagined it. Maybe I imagined the mouse. But okay. So congratulations to Kirk. But now I do yes. have to ask you. And I, I think I think we'll all have the same answer. But I have to ask. If mm-hmm. Kirk asked you on a date, would you go? Do I know him as well as Lorelai knows him? Or is this like a random person on the street, Kirk? Um, I would say, let's say we live in Stars Hollow. And you know of Kirk. Okay, I have my answer. Sandra, what would you say? (laughs) No. (laughs) No. I would say no. (laughs) However, if Sean Gunn asked me... Right? I would say yes. That's the thing. He's kind of a cutie. What do you think, Emily? Yeah, I I agree with Sandra. Yeah. Sean Gunn looks really cool. If Jess asked me out, however. (laughs) If Jess or Milo asked me out then or now, it's a yes. If you were if you were just like a tourist and you ran into Kirk and he asked you out, you might be like, "Oh, you're kind of okay. cute, sure." Yeah. And then he'd be like, "Let Kirk. me run home and tell mother," and you'd be like, "Abort, abort." Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> no. See, here's the no, thing: I, I don't think I would. <laughs> I think Kirk looks too young here. 
Sean Gunn now with the gray hair is actually more attractive mm. than yeah. I kind of got the silver box yeah. thing going. I hate that men get better with age. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a it's a curse. Um, but yeah, congratulations, <laughs> Kirk. Thank you for being a good man. Uh, yes. You definitely were. We had a Kirk Townsend. I don't of the believe week yet. so. No, I don't know. I know we've contemplated it, but yeah, I think this is the first one. Good for you. Nice mm-hmm. job, Kirk. And. After Town's Person of the Week, we have References with Sandra. Weekly References with Sandra. Weekly References with Sandra. All right, let's talk References. I only have two today because I'm going to spend a good amount of my time showing my love for another show that's not Gilmore Girls. Why do I feel like it's going to be Pretty Little Liars? It is not Pretty Little Liars. I have a grudge against Pretty Little Liars. And (laughs) we're not going to talk about it. Anyways. Okay. um, So first up, we have in the Francie v. Paris and Rory situation. Francie's threat to Rory is that she'll make Paris look so ineffective, she'll make Jimmy Carter look like Martin Sheen. So I knew I had to talk about this, because if I can get even one person to watch The West Wing, this entire (laughs) podcast will have been worth it. I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's break it down. Uh, Jimmy Carter was the 39th president of the United States, serving one term from 1977 to 1981. He's known for his humanitarianism. Um, and he even received the Nobel Peace Prize in 2002 for all the work he's done. That being said, while president, um, Carter was seen as incompetent and a below average president. Although I will say perception has changed within the last decade, uh, recognizing he was... i say he's beloved now. Yeah, he was very hardworking, just maybe not the type of president that was needed at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But for a while, and especially in 2002... Carter was the joke. He was the one-term president who lost to Reagan. So that's who Jimmy Carter is. Let's talk about Martin Sheen, who's also known as Ramon Antonio Gerardo Estevez, the father to Emilio Estevez, and Charlie Sheen. It always throws me off that they have different, la- like, the, they're brothers, obviously. Mm-hmm. So and they have, like, I did not know, you explain. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Martin Sheen's real name is, is Estevez, right? But he thought, people are not going to hire me if I have a Hispanic last name. So he changed it to Sheen. Um, Charlie kept that. However, the other family members were like, no, we're going to stay Estevez. So it is a it is a little awkward. But they are actually brothers, Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen, which is wild. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Martin Sheen played President Bartlett in The West Wing. A drama created by Aaron Sorkin. It ran for seven seasons from 1999 to 2006, so roughly around the same time as Gilmore Girls. And I just want to say, if I wasn't doing a Gilmore Girls podcast, I would have done a West Wing podcast. I love it so much. Um, <laughs> it is obviously a political drama, but it's actually, weirdly enough, very similar to Gilmore Girls in some aspects. So it is fast-paced dialogue, it has a ton of references, and it's very witty writing. In it, Martin Sheen as President Bartlett shines. He is the president I wish we had. He's compassionate but fierce, 
and he'll make you laugh or cry and everything in between. Allison Janney, Julia Hill, Rob Lowe, Bradley Whitford, amazing actors. Um, I truly, truly recommend it. It's not a teen drama. It's not Pretty Little Liars, but um, it's this incredible show that will keep your eyes glued to the screen. I highly recommend. So to put it together, Francie is basically saying here, she's going to make make Paris look so bad that President Carter will look like President Bartlett in comparison. Just in case anyone didn't understand that. So for my other reference, I want to talk about Shane. More specifically about the 1953 movie Rory references when Jess tells her Shane's name. So come back. Yeah, that's the one. So the movie itself is called Shane. And it's a Western directed by George Stevens based on Shane, the novel by Jack Schaefer. And how many times am I going to say Shane? Take a shot every time. A lot. (laughs) No, don't take a shot. That's how you get alcohol poisoning. (laughs) So in the movie, Shane is a wandering gunfighter who rides into town and is hired by a rancher named Joe Starrett, who has a wife and a little boy named Joey. Star tells Shane that a ruthless cattle baron, Rufus Riker, God, these names, is trying to encroach on their land and force them out. So the movie pretty much deals with that. Uh, There's murder. There's bar fights. There's betrayals. Eventually, Shane actually defeats, aka kills, Riker and his gang. And Joey, the little boy, witnesses this fight. So Shane immediately after takes the opportunity to leave because he's a drifter. So... He did his part, and he's leaving. And the movie ends with Joey desperately crying, Shane, come back. And it's so funny out of context. I'm just going to insert it right here, um, the two seconds of the the little boy screaming, um, (laughs) because it's so funny out of context. But in general, it's supposed to be a very tragic thing. So here it is. Perfect, Jess. That was exactly what it, what he said. You know me. Just my voice is my instrument. <laughs> oh, poor little kid. Yeah. Oh, poor little boy. You know what? I read a lot of reviews about this movie when I was looking it up, and they're all like, I was crying so hard when Joey was saying, come back. And I'm like, that is the objectively the most hilarious thing I've heard today. <laughs> okay. But, like, here's the real question on this movie. Uh-huh. Is there a little boy named Fodderwink? <laughs> <laughs> Fodderwink will... I will never forget Fodderwink. I have not laughed that hard in a long time. Sorry, Shane, you didn't quite do it for me that that level, but... Unfortunately, no, there's no Fodderwink. Uh, rest in peace, Fodderwink. He does die, right? Uh, yeah, he yes. did die. Okay. Yes. Because of the polio. Little, yeah. Oh, no. Let's not go down the yearling trap again. I know. Oh. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, those were my two references this week. Um, and after references, we have... We have a book with Emily. Books, movies, and music with Emily. With Emily. Okay, so this week we have 
one book in this episode, and I'm sure you all know what it is. It is the book Jess is reading when Shane comes into Luke's, and they immediately start making out, and honestly, Jess kind of looks like he's more intrigued in reading the book than making out with Shane. (laughs) The book itself is A Confederacy of Dunces. It was written by John Kennedy Toole as a fictional novel. It is set in the early 1960s New Orleans. New Orleans? Don't. New Orleans? There's, like, slang to it, or, like, a certain way you're supposed to pronounce it when you're from there. I know. I'm from Indiana. I don't know how to say anything right. But it tells the story of Ignatius J. Riley, which we will have him specifically mentioned in Rory's graduation valedictorian speech. So I was excited to actually get into this. 1960s New Orleans, an unemployed 30-year-old medieval history major still living with his mother. He's never had a job, but after his mother gets drunk and gets into a car accident, he is required to find a job to help her pay to cover the damages. The book itself, he has they need like a thousand dollars to fix it in nineteen sixties, which translates to like roughly ten thousand dollars today. Just to kind of put that in perspective. Um but it's basically him jumping from low wage job to low wage job, having colorful adventures with the different residents of New Orleans. What's interesting to me about this book is it was published 11 years after john kennedy tool died he unfortunately had an early tragic death he was 31 when he committed suicide his mother found the carbon copy of this of his manuscript and then started soliciting it to a bunch of publishers trying to get them to publish it because she loved the book itself so much she contacted walker percy uh he was a college instructor at loyola university and got him to finally read it after I can imagine some harassing. But he said he was so, he wanted this book to be bad so he could finally say, I gave it a shot. It didn't work out. He said, normally within the first couple of pages, I can tell this is going to be a bad book and I can justify putting it down. He's like, but then I read it and I kept reading it and I kept going on and it, First, I felt too bad to quit, then I had a prickle of interest, then a growing excitement, and finally, an incredulity, I cannot say that word, surely it was not possible that this book was so good. So he was able to get it published through LSU Press in 1980. It won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction in 1981, um, and then it's also been since released on, like, audiobook and stuff. So... Walker Percy does do the foreword for the book after he read it. Um, He describes Ignatius as a slob extraordinary, a mad Oliver Hardy, a fat Don Quixote, a perverse Thomas Aquinas rolled into one who is in violent revolt against the entire modern age. One reviewer states that he is the extreme example of an arrogant bastard with absolutely nothing to be arrogant about. Damn. Apparently this is supposed to be an absolutely hilarious book. Like, it's a comedy. All of, and then I started like going through like the Amazon reviews just out of curiosity. And everybody was like, this guy is such a dick. It's hilarious. So, like, I really kind of want to read it now. <laughs> it's like, he has nothing to be proud of. And yet, he's so proud. Definitely sounds like a Jess book. But what's really interesting to me is this book, they've been trying to adapt it into a movie since the 80s. Oh, wow. They haven't been able to? So, no, it's potentially cursed. Yikes. In 1982, Harold Ramis was supposed to write and direct adaptation starring John Belushi. Wow. Wow. 
We know what, yeah. we know what happened to him. And Harold's passed away too at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes, more more recently mm-hmm. he passed away within the last five years or so mm-hmm. due to cancer, I believe. But then later, John Candy and Chris Farley were supposed oh, yikes. to be. Oh in my it. gosh! Wow. Okay. Oh, so um, it's like that kind of comedy. Yeah. It, those are the kind of stars that we're talking about. Okay, so it's like a really. I would think like a satire, kind of like, yeah, like raunchy satire kind of vibes. Yeah, director John Waters was interested in directing an adaptation that would have starred Divine, who also died at an early age. Uh, British performer and writer Stephen Fry was at one point commissioned to adapt the book for screen, wow. um, and he was sent to Paramount to get a background for the screenplay. Um, John Goodman was at one point slated to play. Thankfully, he is still with us. Yeah. A version adapted by Steven Soderbergh and Scott Kramer was slated to be directed by David Gordon Green and was scheduled for release in 2005. What's interesting is this was going to have Will Ferrell, Lily Tomlin, oh, wow. Paul Rudd, Alan Cumming, most Def. Like, there were some, as of now, pretty big names. Yeah. There was an interview a couple years later with Will Ferrell asking why it had never been made. He's like, I have no idea. It's a mystery. Uh, there was potential negotiations with Zach Galifianakis that never happened. Um, but in a 2013 <laughs> interview, Steven Soderbergh remarked, I think it's cursed. I'm not prone to superstition, but that project just has a bad mojo on it. So that's, that's wild. Yeah. Also, it's funny because having not read the book at all. Based on the actors attached to the project, I have a very clear visual idea like, of what this character looks like. Like a like, Seth Rogen Stoner right? movie, right? Like, that's what yeah. I'm getting. It's kind of like every generation's, like, version of that guy. Like, I'm surprised Jonah Hill was not one of the people. Who knows? We still have time. Well. <laughs> the book's title itself refers to an epigram from Jonathan Swift's essay, Thoughts on Various Subjects, Moral and Diverting. When a true genius, so the quote is, when a true genius appears in the world, you may know him by his sign that the dunces are all in confederacy against him. Okay. So that's where the title comes from. Basically, this is a dude who might be the Kirk of just trying to help take care of his mom, not because he wants to, but because he has to. And I'm pretty sure it ends with his mom kicking him out and telling him to go, like, get a life. I'm sick of you. <laughs> Because she gets a boyfriend. Good for yeah, the mom. Uh, so yeah, there are multiple characters. It, it seems like a very lively book. Like seriously, the reviews on this are fantastic. That it's hilarious. That you'll love it. You either hate Ignatius because you see a little too much of him in yourself. Like you see his flaws. Or I don't know. What was it? Okay. One of the reviews was, if you love him, there's probably something really wrong with you. But if you hate him, there definitely is. Either way, you're doomed. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was Confederacy of Dunces, a book actually published 10 years after it was written by John Kennedy Toole. After that, we have Fashion with Jess. Making fashion choices, making fashion choices, making fashion choices with Jess. I feel like this season... I'm just going to, like, wade a little further into the hair and makeup waters than I have previously because it's so good. Mm-hmm. 
the thing that caught me the most in this episode wasn't the fashion choices, but it was the hair choices. It was the makeup. But of course, I will still talk about the fashion. So I will say my my worst dressed was, boom, front and center, first scene. My worst dress this episode was Rory's first Friday night dinner outfit because it confused me. On first glance, it's fine, right? It's just like a purple lace dress. But then when you look again, there's this like peach colored slip that goes across her chest. And I don't know if it's a part of the dress, if it's a slip that she's wearing underneath the dress. But it's just so weird that it was distracting to me. And it felt like, is it a dicky? Is that what it is? When you can get, it's like a little handkerchief you attach to your bra straps to bring the the bust of your um your shirt up higher. It just felt like that. I don't know. There's a word for it. And I cannot for the life of me think of dickie. it right now. Either way, I was just, I didn't love it. However, her hair and makeup, incredible. Just didn't like the dress. It's hard to see what the fit's supposed to be. Like, it kind of pulls in, like, under her chest, like it's supposed to be, like, an empire waist. Yeah. I think maybe if we'd actually seen her stand up, that would have helped. It seems like the the purple is supposed to stop. It's supposed to, you know, like, cup her chest. But then there's, like, that weird wibbly little silky peach thing that I don't understand. So if somebody else can, like, find a picture of that dress and then, like, no, it's beautiful. Look at it. I'll believe you. Just didn't look great in this scene. Um, Guys, I had a dress that, like, I looked at and I was like, wow, that is the worst dress I've ever seen. And it was not mm-hmm. this dress. So oh, I'll let you okay. continue fashion, but. It's- there yeah. are outfits in this episode I do not like. It's real rough. And this is one I did not even I notice. I didn't notice it either. I, I just, I hate this flappy mm-hmm. peach thing um <laughs> i didn't anyway, even notice it right so i'm looking now at these that clothes i see it so i agree closely. it's really frustrating um we have a number of different work outfits that lorelei wears throughout the episode she wears a blue floral like tank with a skirt she's wearing a lot of skirts it's end of summer early fall so we can assume that it's pretty warm i will say in Luke's diner, the first time we're there, when Lorelai is having soup and mashed potatoes and Rory is just sitting in a purple striped top, I have underlined in all caps in my notes, hair, face, slay. It's the same yes. hairstylist. It's Patricia again with the hair, Marie with the makeup. Alexis has never looked better than she does eating food in Luke's diner right now. Her hair is so shiny. Her face is so pretty. It's, like, obscene how gorgeous she is, and she's just wearing a purple and orange-striped t-shirt. I love it so much. I do think... I agree with you. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think Alexis, before season three, she's beautiful, right? She's a pretty girl. Mm -hmm. But in season three on, she looks like a model. Yeah. Yes. This this girl's a model. Alexis was a model. She was. Before Mm -hmm. Gilmore Girls. Yeah. But yeah, something about season three makeup is just... Bam. She doesn't look like just an, your average teenage girl, which I think she kind of looked, I mean, beautiful, but like she looked like a teenage girl in the first two seasons. The other time that I thought, oh my gosh, could Alexis look more perfect is when um, Rory and Paris have their one-on-one where um, Rory is kind of manipulating Paris. Uh, it's a great shot of those two girls. And again, they both look so polished and so clean. And I think 
I'm so grateful that I did not go to go high school with girls who looked like that because that would have been so hard to live with every day. I mean, to be fair, Paris's makeup has also been stepped up. Oh, definitely. Amazingly as well. Yeah. Like just all of it. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to jump to what I'm assuming is Sandra's least favorite look. That is the dress that Lorelai is wearing at the inn. I'm calling it kind of a gold mustard um, pattern dressed with blue accents, which she wears with a little blue cropped sweater. It is so bad. (laughs) I didn't think it was terrible. It's giving me, like boho cocktail vibes like it's a it's a weird amalgamation of styles and lengths sander do you want to talk about this dress sure um i hate this dress i like the cardigan right the cardigans whatever it's like a frilly little blue cardigan yeah yeah but the the frills on the bottom of the dress the way it like I just don't think it looks good. It looks like a different, the like bra area it has like sunflowers or some kind of pattern on it. Yeah, I don't, it, I don't feel it. It's a very like eclectic kind of like mix and match pattern vibe. Mm-hmm. It definitely was not up there for me for for best dressed. I didn't like it, um, but it wasn't as heinous as the peach flappy thing. It also doesn't scream work to me. Like, it does not scream manager of an inn. It seems too casual. She's been very casual in the last two episodes with her workwear. Even the the blue top that she's wearing the day that she, I think it's the day that she gets asked out by Kirk. It's quite sheer. Like, you can see where it hangs over her, uh, where, where it hangs over her skirt, how clearly you can see the definition between her skirt and like her skin, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. sheer. I, I would, I would not be able to wear it to work. But she, I mean, she has a shirt on underneath like a, it. A camisole, it feels, yeah, it feels more formal than that dress does. Yeah, that dress just kind of like screams summer dress. I mean, this skirt also has a pretty massive slit in it for being as short. You gotta as it walk is. somehow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we're definitely getting into the weeds this episode. My best dressed is. Uh, Rory's Friday night dinner. The second one? Outfit. Yes, her second one. Mm -hmm. With the blue long sleeve, it's essentially a scoop neck t-shirt, and the black, um, floral skirt with the headband. But again, the makeup and the hair just bring this outfit together, and they make her look so polished. And this is a a scene, she looks like a grown-up. She does not look like a teenager anymore. She looks so sophisticated, and I think it's interesting that when she and Jess have their fight, she's dressed like this. Because this mm-hmm. is a sophisticated girl, right? They look like different worlds. Yeah. What's interesting to me, I, I don't like this outfit. Oh, really? no. I, th- I think she looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's very form-fitting without being too form-fitting like it just it it looks great she looks beautiful but i just feel like the top and the bottom don't go together okay i understand it's definitely yeah it's definitely like a more casual top with a more uh like relaxed bottom i just think i think this is like the the suki pink purple green outfit for me where just Mm -hmm. the whole look together sells it so i mean we can agree to disagree but i think we can all agree that her hair and her makeup looks so good so clean so grown up and so when she is having that big heart-to-heart fight with jess 
She I mean, looks, she looks great polished. while she's doing yeah. it. <laughs> and he looks like the rough and tumble boy he is. So, again, apologies that this was kind of an all-over fashion segment. This was a weird episode. There was so much fashion and so much of it was kind of blinking you'll miss it. I was just unimpressed in general with this whole episode in terms of fashion. I felt like, like we I did really just... well last episode. Mm-hmm. Like, season yeah. opener, everybody looked so polished. And especially with Lorelai's work outfits, I felt like we were re- reaching a lot. Yeah. So, all right. That was the fashion recap. And after fashion, we have Stars Hollow Speaks. So, first up, um, <laughs> when we released last week's episode, Lazy Hazy Crazy Days, I put up a poll asking what everybody thought of the song. Obviously, we had lots to say about it last episode. And so I asked um, what people thought. Is it a summer bop slash anthem? Is it an essential GG tune, but not your favorite? Is it annoying AF? Or is it the worst thing Taylor ever brought to Stars Hollow? So definitely the majority of people, 56% said it's an essential GG tune, but not their favorite. Uh, up next with 31% was It's a Summer Bop, which is what I voted. Um, and then we had 9% said It's Annoying AF, and 4% said It's the Worst Thing Taylor Ever Brought to Stars Hollow. So I want to talk about that one person that voted that, because <laughs> there are definitely worse things that Taylor has brought. But, I mean... Maybe none of them are yeah. quite as much of an earworm as Lazy Hates Crazy, but... <laughs> That's the problem. You hear... They only have, the song only has one verse. Yeah. I mean. It's real rough. And I did use the Nat King Cole version for our poll, which I did put twice in a row because I wanted everybody to really get into the lazy, hazy space when they were thinking about this poll. (laughs) But we shared a story on Instagram today, specifically talking about uh, when Jess and Shane are kissing over the bar top at the diner. Just one complaining that tomatoes is misspelled but also it's funny because they're just smooching uh and so amy wrote and said i'm calling the health department which i I get it who wants drool in their salt packets um and l said lmao which yes one tomatoes still misspelled come on jess step it up but and no, no, no. Board has not no, been no, no. This has not been touched. That board has not been touched. Since... No, exactly. So that's why Jess, Jess came oh, in and he get... fixed. He yeah. fixed the specials board. Why not fix where it's clearly misspelled tomatoes? <laughs> like Step he it must up. know it's misspelled. If Luke doesn't know, that's one thing. But Jess, boy, Eng- like he's the, the <laughs> English boy. Like, so. yeah. Nope. So thank you to L and thank you to Amy for writing in, and thank you to everybody who voted in our poll. Yes, yes. Yes. And then um, we also got a message from Lisa just ask, uh, when we asked what you thought about this episode. She says, the acting from Lauren, Alexis, and Kelly at that Friday night dinner is chef's kiss. Emily finally choosing her daughter and granddaughter always feels like she finally saw Lorelai and her relationship with Chris, even though we know this won't be the end of her meddling. Randomly, it has always bothered me that in telling Chris Rory's feelings are her own, she says something about Rory getting to the third dimension. And look, I get that she was talking more metaphorically, but physically, at least we are, we are in the third dimension. <laughs> and every time I want her to say fourth dimension instead. And despite some of her snarkier comments to Rory about Kirk, the way she handled turning him down felt very kind and mature of her. Um, That's a good point about the third That's slash really fourth point. dimension. <laughs> 
I didn't catch it, but I never even yeah. thought about it. I wondered when she said it, I was like, I thought, oh, maybe I'm dumb. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> no, apparently Lorelai's the dumb one. <laughs> I wonder if it was written differently, but the scene was so good. They just, she flubbed it and they kept it. That might have been the case. I can also see it, it just being written scene. third dimension and they're like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to go with it. Um, No, I agree. I think, Also agree with yeah. the Kirk. Lorelai treated Kirk yeah. really, really mature and kindly. Especially, like, she didn't know what to say to him. Like, how do you gently let somebody down? And I think what she did end up saying was was really quite perfect. Um, and then we had another message from Emily, who, not me, Instagram <laughs> Emily, named Twin. She says, I just had a thought while listening. Is Richard the OG work-from-home hero? So many scenes involve him working from his home office in full suit and bow tie. I know he eventually sets up an office elsewhere with Lorelai when he goes out on his own with the Gilmore group, but does he work from home to begin with and have Margie the receptionist hidden in there somewhere or a switchboard at least? Or when we see him in his home office, is he always putting in overtime? Very modern and pre-2020 world if he is work from home all that time. And LOL about the suit and tie. If so, go Richard. Okay, so when I saw this comment... I do want to mention, my mom used to work from home in the 90s. Wow. Working from home has always been, as long, well, since computers have been around, since 96 plus, people have worked from home. It's just, it kind of died down during the 2000s, and -hmm. then it shot up during 2020. Right. Um, Of course. But yeah, my mom used to work from home because she was a working mom. So, like, she would mm-hmm. work from home, but then also take care of us at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I don't think it's a new invention. That being said, the whole getup is not something my mom ever did. Like, she was in pajamas. <laughs> yeah. No, that was long before the days of, like, Zoom meetings and no. that kind of thing. Yeah. I think that Richard is doing overtime when we see That's him. That's what I think. I think mm-hmm. he's working beyond his, his basic duties. You would have thought once he has his own business, he wouldn't have to, but it feels like a very businessy thing, right? Like business mm-hmm. guys always put in the extra hours. Richard is part of the not quite New York City corporate world, but Hartford corporate world. And I have a feeling that comes with certain expectations that you are never not working. If you are available, you are available to work. Okay. And I feel like at that point in time yes it is very toxic but i feel like we are just now getting to a point in our culture that we recognize how toxic that actually is richard would have been proud of that Mm -hmm. yeah so i agree i think it's all entirely overtime um on his fax machine because i don't (laughs) know if he has a computer in his office right away not yet we see him walking around with a laptop at one point yeah later on but you know, as of now, he just has the fax machine. So we also put up a story just asking for everyone's thoughts on this episode. So first up is C. Renee, who tells us, when I watched Emily tell Chris to leave, I felt like my team just won the Super Bowl. I love that comment so much. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Gabby says, it broke my heart when Lorelai said that it was killing her to be there talking to Chris. She still loved him. I hate that Lorelai still loves him. I know. Right. Ugh. You can't control what the heart wants. But and her heart wants her first love. Can control whether or not you go out the door after you send him away. Um, Susanna says, Kirk's age changes. 
he went to school with Luke, so he must be older or the same age. So he's either older than Lorelai or the same age as Lorelai. What do we think? Do we think he's I feel somewhere like in between? Talked about this before. I think that our our thought was that he and Luke were in school at the same time. Maybe not the like same grade. Like a senior grade. freshman. Yeah, I see yeah. that. In which case... He doesn't feel as old as Luke. Not saying Luke feels no. old, but... But Luke young. is older. I think yeah. he seems like the same age as Lorelai, if not a year or two younger. Early 30s, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, after you turn 30, it all just kind of meshes together anyways. For real. Can confirm. Southern Juliet says, The scene with Chris and Lore fighting and Emily coming in is my favorite of the series. You know what? Emily did do a good job stepping in. Unfortunately, she also caused the problem. <laughs> so there is that. <laughs> I will say but it's a good moment. for Emily, causing this particular problem was unintentional. That is true. She did not mean for Christopher to mm-hmm. show up this time. Yeah. Also, Southern Julia is not a name I think I've heard. So thank you for writing yes, in. Yes, it's a new person. Yeah, this is an, that was actually, a new one. Gabby, we do have another Gabby, but this is Gabby Million. Too, so this is the second Gabby. So welcome, thank you. <gasps> oh, we have yeah. three. Gabbies. We love hearing from mm-hmm. new listeners or listeners who have been listening the whole time and maybe haven't said anything. So please keep writing in. Once again, we recognize your names, and uh, we will shout out when you're new. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I will say, I also don't recognize this Emily name as like a lot recently. I I think we've had a couple of things from her. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen her username a whole lot either. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so thank you to everyone who commented and said something. Um, Some final thoughts about this episode we didn't mention, but guys, Lane. I missed the hell out of her this episode. Yeah, no Lane. No Lane. And you know what? Season three is the season of Lane. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm excited to get into that storyline. I'm so excited for Dave Rogowski. You don't understand. Yes. And I think he's coming up. Well, we got to get Lane back first. Well, we do have to get Lane right? back first. I like we said before. Actually, ooh, he is coming he up. Is. Our next episode is application anxiety, which is when Lane's posting mm-hmm. her ad. So we get Lane and the music back, um, and I'm excited for it next week. Mm-hmm. But other than that, that was this episode. Any last minute thoughts from you guys? Or no, I think it's no. time to talk about coffee. All right, then coffee. Guys, we had the exact same coffee count that we had last week. Lorelai had two cups of coffee. Rory had one. I say I don't remember what that coffee count was. That was a whole week ago. Yeah. Well, hey, I feel like it's better to be consistent mm-hmm. than to like mm-hmm. have coffee droughts. That's fair. Yeah, we're not we we're not starting off with a dry spell like we did last season. Now, technically, Rory had a cup of coffee in front of her during the meeting, but she didn't drink oh, yeah. it, so I'm not counting it. Yeah. No, nobody no. drank it. So uh, two in one, which, like you guys said, consistency, but also hopefully they remember. Luke did make a, a quip about her blowing her brain cells out with coffee. So we're at least mm-hmm. getting back into the, you know, coffee, 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 coffee period. <laughs> yeah. And we also had a Luke drought for a while as well. We did. Yes. With we did. Or a Luke's drought. Mm hmm. So we as I don't think we have that this season. We shall see. 
But anyways, as always, I was Sandra. And I was Jess. And I am Emily. We will listen. <laughs> we will see you next week. <laughs> We're going to listen. Actually, hey, we'd love to listen to you next week as well. Leave us yes. a message on our new answering machine. Uh, the link is in our bio on Instagram. So somebody do it. We'd love to hear from you. Please. Very much so. Please, please. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> or Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. That's what you say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This is Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls Rewatch podcast with Sandra, Jess, and Emily. And you can follow us on Instagram at townmeetingpod and email us at townmeetingpod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on Spotify and support us at buymeacoffee.com slash townmeeting. If you like, send us a message on our answering machine at anchor.fm slash townmeetingpod and click message. Thank you again. We appreciate all of you.